Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, fun fact, this podcast was born out of a newsletter that we started way back in 2012. People really seem to like it and we think you will too. It's a quick hit list of 10 things we've discovered recently that we love. Everything from recipes to beauty products to books to tools to truly anything that excites us. We send it every Monday. We do take some holidays off and it's free. Sign up at a thing or two HQ.com. Here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two HQ.com and sign up for a secret menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. We have a couple check-ins this episode. It's a real oh, like... Oh, is it a check-in episode? Yeah. yeah, you're right. I, I would say it's um, it's a series. Yeah, totally. totally. Part of a larger series. We're going to talk about creativity and exercise. Yeah, and how we're doing on those. Thematically linked to previous episodes, which yeah. maybe we'll link some of those. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see yeah, if we can we'll, do that. <laughs> we'll do we'll that. see if we have the, the, the technology. Okay, so I have an update. Okay, so years ago, probably 2021... I tried to do The Artist's Way. Yes. Which is this guidebook by this woman, Julia Cameron. It's very popular. If you're not familiar, it's basically just a very sort of intense workbook. I think it's 12 weeks long to, for you to sort of unlock or rediscover your creativity. It is a big commitment. And I, even though I was doing it with a, I had a, sort a group, of an accountability right? group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were just too busy at the time with work and I just couldn't stick with it. But there are two core practices in it that you do throughout the workbook and you're meant to do beyond. One is artist dates, which is you sort of take yourself on these solo excursions once a week. And it can be to a museum. It can be to the dollar store. But the idea is it's like something a little bit creative. Something outside of your sort of day to day. Yeah. I feel like I've never fully gotten a handle on artist dates or like she makes a compelling point for like why they exist I mean I think part of it is just like taking yourself on a date without anybody else like a big part of it is just like not having anybody else's voice in your ear influence whatever just like experience it on your own Yeah. yeah the other thing that I think is like one of the most famous takeaways from this book is this practice called morning pages and which is simply you roll out of bed before you do anything else you write three pages longhand every single morning and she is like everything about that seems so challenging to me I agree Claire the like the the very first thing, the long hand, the three pages. Erica, everything about I it. could not agree more. She is so adamant about the importance of these pages. She is like religious. She is militant about the importance of being consistent about them. And I had the exact same feeling as you do where I was like, that's never going to happen. That's nice for someone else. Yeah. And was like realistic with myself and was like, well, even if I'm going to try to do this, I'm not even going to try to do it in the morning because I already have my morning routine. Like I exercise every morning. I couldn't possibly add another thing onto that. Yeah. So recently I had gotten back into the idea of like, I just like that idea of writing. And like, you know, she makes a lot of compelling arguments for it, which I will get into. And I was like, you know, I'm just not going to force myself to try to do it in the morning. I'll try to like do it in the evening or the afternoon or truly like whenever I can. And started doing that and then did it a couple times in the morning and was like, oh, there's a reason. There's a reason. And I God like damn, it. And it works. I'm sorry because I'm going to, I we're talking about exercise later in this program. The parallels not only to exercise, but to my journey and adoption of exercise as a routine 
have mapped so completely. It's scary because it was the same with exercise where I was like, well, I'll do it after work. I'll do it whenever I can. And then I did it a couple times in the morning and I was like, oh, shit. That really (laughs) unlocked something for me. I have to say, I don't do it right as soon as I roll out of bed. I get out of bed. I get dressed. I brush my teeth, my contacts, all that stuff, which takes a while. When you say you get dressed, what does that mean? Oh, for my workout. Okay. okay, I get fully ready for my workout. Okay. okay? And then, so I'm not showering, Uh but I'm getting fully ready to, to what I usually do is go running. And then I go downstairs, make a cup of coffee and I do my morning page as well. I drink my coffee. So would you say that morning pages time for like OG listeners mm-hmm. is the same as like coffee bedtime? Yeah, for sure. Well, and OG has listeners will, re- oh, for sure. Has I mean, replaced OG coffee listeners bedtime? will recall that coffee bedtime involves scrolling. And so if nothing else, I'm eliminating 30 <laughs> minutes of scrolling from my day, yeah. which is huge. That's good. Yeah. And, and that was like an early win and acknowledgement of this thing for me where I was like, I don't know if there's any good happening with this thing. All I know is I'm scrolling for 30 minutes less a day and that's a huge win on its own. Yeah, right? totally. Totally. You could be just like doing a paint by number, but like, yes, yeah, I'm yeah. doing this. The other thing I will say about it and like why the morning works for me is because there's something about it that feels very private. Like, can you imagine me writing longhand in a notebook for three pages while other people are around? One of the big challenges of morning pages in general yeah. is like, why is this? Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like writing three pages longhand is embarrassing? I, that is a major question for me in the notes and in my life. You know why? I think part of it. I associate writing longhand with being young Mm. because like at whatever age we transition to computer work also kind of aligned with adulthood. And so like writing longhand makes me think of being a student and like taking notes in a notebook. And so thus it feels like a little bit like, yeah, just like juvenile or something in a way that like this is not like there's nothing juvenile about writing. (laughs) it, I, you know, I love consuming concert footage on TikTok and Taylor Swift was teeing up a song of hers where she talks about being in Centennial Park in Nashville. And she's like, ah, Centennial Park. I spent so much time performatively writing in journals in Centennial Park. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also that it's journaling, basically, which is a private act. So the idea, but yeah. like it's also like meditating. Like it just, yeah. these are things you do by totally, yourself. Totally. There have been times where I've been doing it and Chris walks into the room and I'm like, oh my God, even though it's not, I mean, there's nothing I'm writing that's all that private, but when there have been times where I've not been able to get privacy in the morning or something, sometimes I will also just do it before when I sit down at my computer. So the idea is like truly you write three pages of stream of consciousness longhand. It can be whatever. There is no right or wrong way to do it. And there's right? like no prompt or anything. It's there's just no like prompt. spitting it's things truly, out. I mean, yeah. she says you can just sit down and write. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. I don't yeah. know what to write. One of the more compelling arguments that she makes in support of this habit is that it helps you practice ignoring the part of your brain that tells you your creative work sucks. And I really like this about it. So she refers to that part of your brain as your sensor. And she's like, you need to sharpen the skill of quieting your sensor in order to become a creative person. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So Uh like the the sensor in your brain that's like, that's bad. That's not good enough, whatever. Uh In order to be an artist, in order to be a creative person, you need to be able to ignore that thing. And here's what she writes. She says, make this a rule. Always remember that your sensor's negative opinions are not the truth. This takes practice. By spilling out of bed and straight onto the page every morning, you learn to evade the sensor because there is no wrong way to write the morning pages. The sensor's opinion just doesn't count. Let your sensor rattle on and it will. Because it's like, if the morning pages have no objective, no purpose, there's no right way to do them, that every morning you're practicing being like, it doesn't matter that this sucks. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter it doesn't matter. Stupid. It doesn't matter. It and doesn't matter. Exactly. Like anything like this, you have to practice that in order to like be able to do it. Retrain. Day. Well, and like to yeah. retrain yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It's like meditation, the practice I of mean, being mindful for 10 minutes a day. I hate to bring up the book we didn't like, but we talk about all the time, Elizabeth Gilbert, yeah, Big yes. Magic. And like a lot of that is like Just retraining yourself to, to not judge it. Yeah. Completely. The point she makes about consistency is we have this idea that we need to be in the mood to write. We don't. Morning pages will teach you that your mood doesn't really matter. Some of the best creative work gets done on the days when you feel that everything you're doing is just plain junk. The morning pages will teach you to stop judging and just let yourself write. And I do think it's effective in that way. I really believe in that. Yeah. I really just like don't believe in there's a good or bad mood for yes. do- like you just have to do the thing. You just have doing to do it. The and thing some of is doing the thing. Bad. Yeah. So it actually doesn't matter. And again, like, well, it's like this- not everything is going to be like final product. Yes. Yeah. It's the habit that just like doing it is sometimes more important than what you're actually doing, which again, like yes. comes up in relationship to exercise. So I've just found that ultimately like so much of this habit I've been trained to recognize the benefits of because I've been running yeah. for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Where when I started running, I wasn't completely sure what it was going to lead to, what the benefits were. I just had kind of like a blind faith and a trust in the process that 
this was going to be good somehow. And I think that part of that is also this thing that I do that's I'm sort of superstitious about running. And I think I've started to become superstitious about these morning pages where it's like, if I don't do it and I have a bad day, I will assume that it was because I didn't do this thing or or that it would have been worse if I didn't do yeah, this thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, and if, and yeah. if I did. Huh. Right. If I did do it and I have a bad day, like, thank God I did this thing because it would have been so much worse if I hadn't done it, which is constantly how I feel about running. Like, God forbid, I skip my exercise in the morning and I have a miserable, anxious whatever day. I'm like, well, it's because I didn't run. Or I still have an anxious day and I'm like, God, it would have been so much worse if I hadn't done that thing. I mean, at the very least, it gives you a false sense of control. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And like the thing that has made me stick with it is this like false sense of control, the superstition that it's like sort of helping. It's a tool in my mental, emotional well-being arsenal. And I think long time, long term, I do think it will probably like help me become more creative. And I think the thing for me that besides, you know, the two things that I mentioned, which she talks about, about quieting your sensor and the sort of like realizing that your mood doesn't matter. I really like getting shit out of my head of it all. I was going to ask because I think that is when I've heard about morning pages in the past, I feel like that has been my understanding of it, that it was it's like in part to take all the things that you sometimes like go to bed with or wake Mm -hmm. up with that are like swirling, swirling, swirling anxieties or like whatever and just like spit them out, just like get them out. Is that that is a very big part of it for me. And again, there's no right way to do it. So yes, that may be for some people. There is a lot of that effectiveness of journaling where you forget that just thinking about something is not the same as expressing it. Yeah. And that's why we like, I will right, tell you about through things. Yeah. Talk through it, things. Yeah, yeah, you talk yeah, yeah, through yeah. things. It's, it's the same as talking to things. a friend. And yeah. there are so many moments with you where I'm like, I know I'm wasting your time by venting to you about this incredibly petty thing, but I actually need to just get it out so that we can move on and talk to some talk about something else. And what I've been reminded through this process, because I haven't consistently journaled since I was in my 20s, is that like it's the same effect where you yeah. get it onto the paper and you can move on and you work through things. And I have to say that I also, because I haven't written longhand in so long, have found that one of the things I really appreciate about longhand is it forces me to slow down my thought process because I Mm. cannot write as fast as I think. I can type as fast as I think, more or less. The longhand of it, the forcing me to slow it down has actually been really helpful in terms of the processing in a way that I like. I'm like, slow down. What do you actually think? What is actually the appropriate construction of this thought? You know, if you really want to be creative, if you really want to let your brain you know, move in weird, interesting ways. You kind of have to get all that muck out. You have to get the cobwebs out, get it out on the page. Then it's there. Now you can move on to thinking about what you really want to think about. You mentioned journaling. Mm -hmm. How do you think this is distinct from journaling? So it's not always. And a lot of times I do just write journaling stuff. And this, this maybe is also not distinct from journaling, but one thing I have made a habit that I do almost every single time in morning pages now, and this, this is actually, I think, been part of why I've become addicted to it or yeah. feeling like a compulsive about it. I state my intentions for the day. And I that sounds lofty, but a lot of times it's like I have to respond to that email. Hey. And I it seems rather obvious though to be a productive person to decide before you move into your day what it is you're going to do. And of course, I sit down at my computer at 9 or 10 a.m. and look at my to-do list, but there's but something different. about it's different. That's different. There is something about before going for my rum, before getting caught up in the breakfast routine and the school routine and everything to be like to register, to write it down, and then I can kind of put it out of my head. Well, because I also think that maybe the like big priority for the day is something as mundane as make my house feel like less of a mm-hmm. shit show. Yeah. Or maybe it's like take on this big project. Yeah. Or maybe it's like spend time with this person. Maybe yeah. that's the, like the thing you really want to hang on to. And it, I think it helps clear out the fact that your day is going to be run by a to-do list. Yeah. But the thing I really have to yeah, do for sure. is this one thing. I think another part of it, too, is that I tend to wake up kind of daunted often by my day and sometimes writing it down and like, oh, it's not actually that bad, bad or daunted by a problem, which I've then worked out like you and I had a proposal we were working on and I was like feeling daunted by it. And I was like, well, now is as good of a time as any to sit down and sort of work out what this thing actually needs to be. And then I did. it. I was like, it's not actually that hard. Right. Right. And then it's like out of my head and I've sort of like done some of the work at a time when I'm not being distracted by the emails and the pings and the whatever. I see the parallels to these other habits I've adopted in my life that have become crucial to my sort of overall well-being. I also think one of the things that I've always wanted to do and always been like, I, I, I have to figure out how to do this is meditate, right? And I've never yeah. been able to adopt a meditative practice. And this is obviously in so many ways not the same as meditating, but Julia Cameron does sort of make the argument that it is and that it's meditative. And I, I have meditated at certain mm-hmm. points. I think I'm more drawn to meditative activities yeah. than I am to straight meditation. Well, here's what I will say about it. 
about the, and like I, it's interesting because you know my understanding of meditation is like you know you don't want to focus too much on your thoughts right and that to like let the thoughts go yeah, let them yeah, pass yeah. through you which this is sort of the opposite of yeah right but it is a daily habit of tuning into what's going on with you yeah you know it's like what's in my head right now and she's something she says that like is a little bit meditative but also just like a rock solid argument for doing this thing it is very difficult to complain about a situation morning after morning month after month without being moved to constructive action which was like, yes. It's a little bit like we all have friends mm-hmm. who come to us with the same problem yeah. like a hundred million times. Mm-hmm. And you're like, dude, I don't yeah. know. Like we've had this yeah. conversation. I feel like I've been the friend who's just like, listens. I feel like I've been the friend who's advised. I feel like I've been the friend who now at this point is like, just do the thing. Yes. And in this case, you get to be your own friend. Yes. You know what I mean? Of just being like. No, I really do feel that way because I find myself writing stuff down that I would truly just make you and Chris listen to. It's truly, I mean, whatever. A friend is a yeah, friend. Like you have yeah. to listen to each other's petty shit. But I was like, <laughs> yeah. this Some actually. Some of that's just friendship. <laughs> of course. And of course, I'm still going to tell you these things. To give an example, you and I get together every Monday morning and we cannot move on to the shit we actually have to talk about until we've both dumped on each other. Every bit of minutia that we have. For like an hour, hour and a half. We got to get into the weeds on the weekend and what happened and what might be in the screenshots folder and like the annoying thing that like a parent said. Yes. It's like a brain drain. It is physically impossible for us to talk about the work stuff until we have done that. And this feels like that that is the morning pages of our life. (laughs) It is. (laughs) And this feels like doing that in a small way every morning. And I'm like, okay, like now I can kind of move on to my work stuff because I have dumped all the petty shit out. And it's just like one of those things where I've known it because throughout my life, because I've journaled at various stages throughout my life. But I'm like, I forgot that actually just writing things down is so helpful. And you wouldn't think it is because it's like you're not telling anybody, right? You're not getting right. feedback. How is it different than actually just having the thought? Thinking it. Well, but because reader, the thinking is just swirl, 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 exactly. swirl, 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 You swirl. are ejecting it from your body in some like literal and metaphorical way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fascinating. Thank you so much to Jubilance for sponsoring today's episode. I stopped dead in my scroll the other day because I saw the funniest reductress post that just spoke to me deeply. (laughs) It's a picture of a woman on a couch and it says, woman not sure whether she's PMSing or being tested by God, which is exactly how I feel about my experience with PMS these days. It is so intense. It is so awful. I hate looking at the calendar and realizing that it's about to happen, especially hate looking at the calendar and realizing that it's about to line up with some important thing in my life. I truly like, I feel like when I was younger, I used to feel that way about my period. Now I'm like, no, my period's fine. My period is when the sort of like the dark clouds part. It's the PMS that is life ruining that I feel like I cannot function. And I have been telling all of my friends about Jubilance because I'm so excited about it. Jubilance is the most advanced scientific solution for relieving PMS mood symptoms available today. In double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed clinical trials, just one month of Jubilance offered significant release of PMS-related mood swings like anxiety, irritability, sadness, and stress. Thousands of women worldwide use Jubilance to live PMS-free. Jubilance for PMS are tiny once-a-day capsules with the key to PMS freedom. Order Jubilance today risk-free and say hello to the most authentic you. Jubilance is a leading evidence-based scientific approach to PMS relief. In response to Jubilance's clinical trial results, along with testimonials by patients and doctors, the Food and Drug Administration has allowed Jubilance's historic structure function claim. Oxaloacetate may help alleviate the mild to moderate psychological and or behavioral symptoms associated with premenstrual syndrome. And best of all, your first bottle comes with free shipping and a money-back guarantee. If Jubilance doesn't give you the PMS relief you deserve, just shoot them an email and they'll issue a refund in full. No questions asked, no need to mail back the bottle. Try Jubilance for $10 off by visiting jubilance.com slash a thing or two or using the coupon code a thing or two at checkout. That's J-U-B-I-L-A-N-C-E dot com slash a thing or two. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the host of Work Party a podcast for ambitious women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. Work Party is paving the way for a new generation of women, women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. Every Wednesday, we bring in leading female powerhouses for real talk and BS-free advice on building your business. You'll hear from female founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, creatives, and so many other badass ladies. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? then tune into Work Party, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode.
Okay, this leads a little bit into the thing. Well, a lot of it into the thing that I wanted to talk about, which is this book that I have been working on. I feel like long-awaited update. Okay, so I had been writing for mm, like the better part of the pandemic, basically, Mm -hmm. a YA book. Mm -hmm. It has a title. We'll call it Break, just for like ease. Mm -hmm. It's been like weird to talk about Mm -hmm. it sometimes, in part because I feel like there has become a bit of external pressure to like make something Mm -hmm. of it for it to like be a thing. Yes. Which is not to say that I don't want it to be. So I finished a first draft of this book and then I was like, oh, that was like an interesting process. And you wrote it more as a creative exercise initially. You weren't like, I want to get my first book published. No. Okay. No. I was like, I I I need a creative project. We are working on a lot of things that feel like they mm-hmm. sort of zapped creativity. That is like part of how this com- these conversations about creativity mm-hmm. started in general of just like us both feeling like we are really lacking that in our lives. And yes. I was like, I've never written long form fiction and not that much short form fiction and just like would like to like try that. Because you're also a huge fiction consumer. Huge fiction consumer, love YA and like had an idea that had been swirling around. And so just started with like some scenes of that and had followed some guidance from the fantastic Mary H.K. Choi, who we had had on the podcast when her first YA book came out where Mm -hmm. she talked about basically following a YouTube series about how to structure a 27 chapter three act book. So I was like, okay, let me like back that out. Give this structure. You love a system too. You know, I love a system. If it it wouldn't have an associated spreadsheet, what would be the point? Did that revise? Read some books about how to think about revising and how to think about editing and got the book to a place where I was like, okay, like I think I'm ready for a reader, which Mm -hmm. was like in itself a really big milestone for me because I hadn't like shared any creative work in forever and ever and ever. I mean, it's not totally dissimilar from like the private why journaling feels embarrassing. It's just like, this is so raw and private. And so it's like all only been in your head. It came from this deeply personal place. And now you're like sharing it with somebody. Exactly. Exactly. So I shared it with you Mm -hmm. and I shared it with Thomas and I shared it with my friend Paige and you all like so generously read it. Are and you kidding me? It wasn't generous. I mean, I you have to <laughs> yes, understand. It well, it, well sure, you're nosy. Fine. You're I'm nosy. Not, you know. That's, <laughs> right? Like if I had spent a year or however long writing in isolation and you didn't know anything about the thing, you would be like, <laughs> let me fucking read this thing. Like, yes, of course. I mean, yes, it was, sure. It was generous. I, But also, you're, of course I want it. Of course, Thomas. Of course, Paige all wanted to read it. And I'm like so grateful to have people in my life who feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so I got to share this thing and got Mm -hmm. to like get reactions on it. That was very satisfying. And just to like talk about it Mm -hmm. with people and to like not have it just be this thing that was like me and my computer screen, which it had been for such a long time. And then just like thought about the like, okay, do I want there to be a what's next of this? Like, how am I going about doing this? And I was like, I think I want to like go through like the process of like seeing what this feels like. And so send it to an agent who sent feedback and I revised it from there and have sent queries out mm-hmm. to agents. And at this point, I'm in a real like purgatory of like, don't know. I'm really happy with this experience mm-hmm. and this process. And I don't think that the value of it is related at all for me personally, mm-hmm. for like what I get out of it yeah. with whether or not this goes anywhere further. Of course, there would be something very delightful about other people reading it and yeah, this like being rewarding. a bound book, of course. Yeah. But I also like, I think I found it really challenging where I think externally there feels like some pressure of, but that's the point of this. Mm-hmm. I think I just feel it was very educational for me to sit down and say, did I like the r- process mm-hmm. of writing this book? Yes. Did I like the process of revising this book? Did I hate reading this thing again? Mm-hmm. Did that feel painful? Did yeah. that feel like whatever? Did I like learn something? My friend Paige, who was one of the readers mm-hmm. on this book, has this line that she says about trying new things or like like playing golf. Mm-hmm. Did you have fun? Did you learn something? Mm-hmm. And did you try your hardest? Like That's as great. a gauge yeah. for like whether something was like worth yeah. your time and successful. And like this checks all of those boxes for me. Um, and no one got hurt. And no one got hurt. It doesn't feel like it was a waste of time, energy, yeah. effort, whatever to have done the thing. I feel like I worked out some shit that I yeah. like needed to work out in a way mm-hmm. that was different from a way that I've ever tried to work things out before in a Just way that like incredible. relates. Yeah. And relates back to this morning pages stuff. I took on a solo creative project and got it to a place that I'm proud of, which is like not something I have done in a yeah. very long time. And I think that's me- a lot to be proud of. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think like. If I ever wanted to do it again, 
Yeah. I know that I could do it hypothetically. Like yeah. obviously every time would be different. You know, mm-hmm. and I feel like any author interview you read, you're like, well, that, that you know, I figured out right. how to do it for the first and second book. And then the third one was just like, a, I needed a totally new like methodology. Yeah. But I think I would be less intimidated by the just like sitting down of it all. Right. And yeah. that, does, that again, it's like just you got to keep doing it. And some, yeah, and that's the point. And, and again, Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert really paints that picture well of just like I wrote so many bad books and so many whatever books and yeah. so many books that never saw the light of day that I thought were great. You totally, know? totally. And I think that like I taught myself that I was able to establish a writing habit mm-hmm. and do those things that I wasn't sure if I could. While you were doing it, I got the impression that it was really important that it was detached from professional goals. Yes. Any sort of measure of success. Yes. Any sort of out- external validation. And gosh, again, to bring up Elizabeth Gilbert, like she's just like, don't don't put pressure on your creative work in that way. Don't let it. It will die under the pressure of all of these things, whether it's like that you need to make money from it or you need someone else to like it or whatever. Yeah. I assume that part of this, like not needing it to go any further is also just like not wanting to ruin the sort of purity of that experience, part of the experience. Yeah, I think so. And like not uh, not feeling like like I was writing it toward what's trending in YA right. or like who I thought the audience mm-hmm. was going to be. I wasn't writing this as like a commercial venture. But the one thing I really did not like mm-hmm. about it was that it was so much computer time mm. and it was just like more screen time mm-hmm. and like more just being in front of a like yeah. glowing box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think I need to find something to do creatively now that is like, that is not writing. That is not that. Yeah, exactly. That is like hands-on, like Mm -hmm. whatever. Like I'm not artistic, but I Mm -hmm. like a craft. I don't Um, think you're not artistic. Well, I'm not artistically talented, but I enjoy like a DIY crafty sort of like situation. But that's art. Yeah. I I think what you're saying is like, you don't like painting maybe or drawing. Yeah, Yeah, which is not (laughs) at all the same. But you're incredibly precise and skilled mechanically. I think you know what, Claire, and that, that is, is an true. art, and I'm that is good at really gift wrapping creative. and folding. Yeah, I mean, and... you'd probably be like an amazing quilter, embroiderer. <laughs> like that's an art. That's artistic. That is true. And something that was revealed to me in the process of writing this novel is that those sorts of things were so much a part of my childhood. Mm. Um, like I revisited mm-hmm. the like making and the doing and yes. the, like whatever the cobbling together. That was like part of my identity when I was younger, yeah. and I I missed that. Thank you so much to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring today's episode. You know, I'm not as into gardening as, to be honest, most of the people around me from Erica to my dad to, I just feel like everyone my age super into gardening right now. I I enjoy it to an extent. I love the looks of it. Obviously, I appreciate a beautiful tree, but I'm not spending all of my weekends doing it. Can I tell you what I think is a secret gardening hack? Trees. They're big, they're impactful, they take up a lot of space, and these fast-growing trees arrive fully formed. They grow and thrive, and I feel like I am planting my future. I have this cherry blossom tree in my backyard that is so beautiful now. I feel like it's going to be there forever now because who would ever root that thing up? And it's just not that hard. It's not that hard to deal with. It doesn't feel like high maintenance. It doesn't feel like some plants that are asking a lot of me, asking me to understand their particular needs and desires. Just a tree. It likes sun and water. I also have an indoor one, similarly low maintenance. I love fast growing trees. We are so excited to be partnering with them. They have plant experts that curate thousands of easy to grow plants, shrubs, and tree varieties for your unique climate. Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between. And I got to say, this is also part of their genius. Someone like me who understands very little about plants can go on their website and feel like they will just sort of lead me towards what I want. Sometimes it's hard to know which plants are going to do best and they help you do that. With fastgrowingtrees.com, you get customized recommendations based on your specific needs and their plant experts are always available to help keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. No more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around. With fastgrowingtrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. And with Fast Growing Trees 30-Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. Join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash a thing or two now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much to the Natural Diamond Council for sponsoring today's episode. 
Think you know diamonds? Probably not as much as you think. Over a billion years old, the natural diamond is still very much a part of the present. Our engagement ring, the gift from a partner, or the jewelry we buy to celebrate a win sparks a lot of joy. But did you know that stone is connected to 10 million people around the world? From Canada to Africa to Australia, the impact of the natural diamond industry is huge, providing healthcare, building schools, and roads to remote communities worldwide. Your natural diamond saves threatened species like the African elephant from extinction and protects more land than Paris, London, and NYC combined. Each natural diamond promises a more sparkling future for generations to come. Discover so many more natural diamond truths at naturaldiamonds.com slash thank you. Can we talk about exercise? Please, let's. So- Which feels like weirdly extremely related. I can't believe how related the creative, the morning pages feels for me to running. It feels like it's like checking the exact same box. It's following the same trajectory and evolution for me. Okay. So to start with, can we establish like what both of our sort of fitness routines are? I won't call them fitness routines. Our universes. Okay. Our universes. Yes. I And I would like to call it exercise instead of fitness actually. Yeah. Exercise. Because I think it's a lot more about exercise than it is about fitness. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I think my thing is that I try to do something every day. Yeah. Mostly that something is video yoga. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's in-person yoga. I wish it were more Pilates, Mm -hmm. in-person Pilates. There's video Pilates once Mm -hmm. a week. I wish it were more actual tennis, but Mm. it's often like hitting a tennis ball against a wall. You get a fair amount of tennis in, especially in the summer, I think. I think the especially in the summer part is what's hard. Yeah. No, I understand that. Yeah. So I run mostly outside, sometimes on a treadmill if it's really humid or really cold outside or raining. I do weight machines at the gym once or twice a week. And then I, I'll get on the Peloton bike a, like once a week or sometimes I won't do it for a month. Because like you, I try to do something every yeah. day. I try to give myself as many options as possible so that if something seems impossible, you know, impossible, there's always one other thing that I could do. That you could hypothetically do. And, and it often really just depends on the weather and how much time I have. Like right now, it has been... 50 to 60 degrees in the, every morning in New York, which is my perfect, well, perfect, that's perfect running temperature. That's perfect running weather. And so I've been doing a lot less of all the other stuff. Yeah, And like even probably should be doing more strength stuff because that stuff I've found to be really helpful and beneficial. But I'm like, I cannot sacrifice this perfect. No, it's weather. the kind of weather that makes everybody feel like they should be a runner. I mean, yeah, it's just like so pleasant. We got some questions from a listener, Sarah, mm-hmm. that are so good that we felt like, okay, we need to just like answer these we'll questions. We'll just let her the run topic. the script. Yeah, she wrote yeah. the script and we're just yeah. going to answer it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so her first question was, how do you decide what you'll wear? And I like where we're starting. We're just like getting straight into the like, Mm -hmm. logistically, how are we deciding what to wear? When I am at home and I do a lot of my exercise from home, I hate having to figure out what to put on. Mm -hmm. I hate there being multiple things. Mm -hmm. I hate being like, is this sports bra too dirty? Is this like whatever, whatever, whatever. It all feels like one more step. And it has made me really lean into a one-piece situation a like romper cat suit, whatever with yeah. a built-in bra. So there's truly, it's just whoop. Yeah, of that. And you are in. I have one from Ghost Flower and one from Viore that are both no longer available. God mm-hmm. knows how. But if you search for unitard, apparently that is the going terminology okay. for all of this. Yeah. Girlfriend Collective has a little like bike short one. Mm. And this brand Haros has a bunch of unitards okay. that are very cute. I think also I'm doing like low impact things at home. So like yeah. I don't need like a full blown. This sports. is why I'm I love this idea, but I don't think it would work for me unless I wore a sports bra underneath. And then what's the point? And then what's the point? I think if you were going to do like weights like or whatever, yes, yes, like totally. this is like the answer. I really, for whatever reason, despise the combining of the yeah. things. And I understand. And like also being like, why do I care if these like yoga pants yeah. match the thing? Yeah. I'm in my fucking bedroom. Yes. But regardless. No, I understand that. You care about whether they match and whether it looks good because at least I have found that liking how you look when you work out is deeply important or just liking what you're wearing and that I, in fact, perform better. I remember having this revelation again, like very early when I just started running. I was like, wow, when you feel like a warrior in your clothes, you act like one. And so I have invested in just amassing a lot of workout clothes. So I just have big piles to choose from. But I think there's nothing worse than being like, oh, the good sports bra that I don't like isn't around. Or like the only clean one is the one that's uncomfortable or doesn't hold me in as well or whatever. There is like nothing worse than that being sort of the hindrance to you getting out the door on time or just like doing the thing at all. So I just feel like that's a barrier you can remove for yourself. We both have a sports bra that we're obsessed with. You all, I just fanatical. 
I read about the sports bra. <laughs> Like in October mm -hmm. for some retail competition thing mm -hmm. I was you were reviewing judging. entries yeah. for. And I was like, what is this? I've never mm -hmm. heard of it. It's called Form, F-O-R-M-E. And the whole deal is that the designs in this line, which are sports bras, shorts, like mm -hmm. tees for men and women, um, are designed to align your spine. So it's meant mm -hmm. to fix your posture, ease back pain, and help you breathe because it like wow. opens yeah. your chest up. Yes. The prices are a hurdle psychologically. I mean, so the sports bra especially because the sports bra is like 175, is that right? 168 or something. Okay. The shorts, 168 or something. <laughs> the shorts are like around 100. Uh-huh. Like I feel like outdoor voices shorts are probably like 40 or 50. So it is like double that, but I did for some reason paying $100 for shorts was easier for me than paying nearly 200 with like tax and shipping I mean, for the sports bra. It's yeah. it's an absolute hurdle. When I tell you it is worth it. You put this thing on and your shoulders like move back three inches, but not in a way that you like you even feel. feel. It feels so natural. And they stay that way when you are at the end of your run, running downhill in a like in a moment where your shoulders would normally when your body just forward like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's when it becomes so obvious to me. I'm like, wow, my shoulders are still back. And I have to say about posture, I've had so many moments in my life, whether it's like in physical therapy or whatever, just had people say like, here's how you're supposed to stand. And I've never felt like I could get it right. You know, like they say, put your shoulders back and I'm like doing some crazy, awkward motion, right? Yeah. Stick your butt out. And then I feel like I'm like really sticking it out. The way that these garments just subtly shift you to exactly how you're supposed to be is mind-boggling. It is sorcery. I don't understand it. I agree, Claire. There's like, so there's a Fast Company piece on these. These things are FDA registered. They're like a whole thing. Perhaps the greatest technological innovation in these clothes is good tailoring based on complicated biomechanics, which I also just love that mm -hmm. it's like the answer is not like yeah. some magic, like silver bullet situation, yeah. but it's actually tailoring. Just it's good design in general. And like, I feel good in it. And probably because I'm not slouching, like because I'm standing yes. up like I'm supposed to be standing no, up. They do say, and I I don't know yet whether or not this is true, that, you know, if you wear it enough, your body sort of remembers how it's supposed to be. And it's sort of training you to be like standing that like that, on. even when you're not wearing it, which yeah. God, if that if that were to be true, I would be thrilled. OK, what do you say to yourself to keep going? The, the keep going and the get started are like a little bit the same, which mm -hmm. is just that it's just 15 minutes. Yeah. Like I don't put pressure on myself to like do an hour long yeah. yoga workout yeah. on, on a video at this mm -hmm. point. It's just 15 minutes. Yeah. And like you're never going to regret it. Like yeah. you're never going to be like, oh, like why did I do that? Yeah. In the same way that I like have a running thing where I'm like, you're never going to regret the shower. Like you're, it's mm. like, oh, do, do I want to shower? Do I feel like shower? Like you're not going to regret it. Right. You never right, get right. out and you're like, well, that was stupid. No, that you is always like, feel better. That is truly one of the most important workout things in general. I, I think I probably do less hemming and hawing about whether or not I'm going to take a shower. But, <laughs> <laughs> Fine. but yes, it's always that thing of like, you might feel the same. You're probably going to feel better. You're definitely not going to feel worse. Right. I, so it's interesting, like just 15 minutes thing. One of the things I do in general is I say like, I'm just going to go and I'll go a mile. And if I'm sick of it, I'll turn back around, but maybe I'll keep going. There's a lot of that negotiating that happens internally yeah. where it's like, you don't have to do the whole thing. You just thing. have to start. Yeah. And then, and I'm totally fine with only going a mile. The other thing I will say is that I, if I do really actually want to push myself to keep going, I'm just like, it's a little bit of fear mongering of like, but how do you think you might feel if you're going to stop? Like, are you going to feel defeated? And is, would you rather like push yourself through or feel defeated like you didn't finish the thing? Are you going to not get the mental health benefits for the day and then you're going to have an anxious day? And that's usually enough to sort of talk myself into it. The other thing as I've gotten older that I've come to appreciate is that I have the opportunity to do it in that moment, whether that means because I'm healthy enough, because I'm not injured, because my son doesn't need me in that moment because it's good weather. Like all of these yeah. things as I've gotten older have felt like more uh, scarce. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I do this thing where I'm like, well, you better do it today because you don't know if you're going to be able to do it tomorrow. So just do it while you can. That's good. Yeah. My primary care physician, our mm -hmm. primary yes, care physician, mine too. Yeah. she had once said something along the lines to me of, it's what you do most days that counts. Mm, I agree um, with that completely. And yes. and this just feels like yes. a, that good reminder of like, you know, and even like yeah. some of the yoga teachers I take classes from will be like, I'd rather you do this for 10 minutes a day than to do like one yoga class a month, like one full-blown one. I really feel strongly about this, that like exercise consistency is always such an important part of it. So I do think if you're going to do it, do it in a way that feels replicable. Yeah. You can go back and do it again the next day. And certainly if you push yourself and you make yourself miserable, you are not going to go back and do it again the next day. Coach and Bennett that, would tell you. Yes. Yeah. Coach Bennett. What do you say when you need to stop? 
I mean, one, I, I get back to that thing of like, there is no point in making yourself miserable. Yeah. I believe that really strongly. I also think to bring up Coach Bennett again, he came on the podcast when I was pregnant and like very pregnant and just trying to figure out anything I could do at that point. And he said, never belittle any effort that you make. I, I have mean, found that to be extremely just, powerful. Yeah. And I repeat it to myself often if I feel like I'm running really slowly or I'm not doing enough. Do not belittle the effort that you're making. Another thing that someone way less appealing than him said, this like, terrible <laughs> ex-boyfriend who didn't contribute much of value to my life, he did say to me once, I remember we were on vacation and I was sort of feeling badly about skipping my daily workout routine. He said, part of why you exercise every day is so that you can take a day off when you need to. And he said in the context of vacation and exercise, which I think is true, it's like the reason you do it every day is so that sometimes when you can't, it's fine. It's fine. And I also just think that's true of so many things. Like with a newborn, routine is so important. And I remember I would like break my routine. I'd be like, it's fine for him to skip a nap today because you've been so consistent about it all those other days. And so it will be fine. I think that's just like a good philosophy. And I do think to your point, it's just about maintaining the routine. So even if you just go a mile, that's fine because you did it. It is the like doing something. And yeah. there are some days where I really can't focus and- I have to remind myself that it's the routine that matters, yes. not the like dragging myself through 30 minutes of something. It doesn't matter if I can't engage on this particular yeah. Tuesday. Like it's not about yeah. this day. In the beginning when I was trying to set the routine, I did take a minute after mm. to log the exercise yeah. and like have a spreadsheet, big surprise. It was just like a boring Google spreadsheet, but it was helpful for me to see the streak of it. Cause yes. like you can tell yourself in your mind, like I've been doing that a lot, yeah. but it's like different to see the days line up and to be like, oh, wow. And then to be like, oh, look, I took one day off in the yeah. last two weeks. Look at how many days I've done it. For me, it's also about staying addicted. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, I yeah. need to stay addicted to exercise. And I, when I started running, I sort of got that. And so I would just run 15 minutes a day. And in retrospect, I'm like, that was too long. You should start by running five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. That's like enough to get you addicted. And then you can build. It's just like, you just don't want to be miserable. Right, 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 right. What do you think about when you prepare for exercise? I think a lot of times I think about how I'm going to feel when it's over. Yeah. Like it just is such a, feels like a huge fucking accomplishment to me, despite the fact that I've been doing it for so long to run three miles before the day has even begun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's probably what I think about the most. I think at this point, I think about how can I make this as easy as possible for mm -hmm. myself. I used to really like run around to workout classes and like do extra commutes and like you do that whole thing. You did the craziest thing. commutes for exercise classes. And it, I think at that point it was like, I like these classes so much yeah. and that is like part of what keeps me doing this. Mm -hmm. And I think now I've maybe gotten to the point where I'm like, I know the value of this in my life and I don't need yes. to love the class quite as much to you got keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. And so I will not spend my life booking classes mm -hmm. and like trying to find the spot with the teacher and yeah. whatever, whatever. Like I go to, there's like one Pilates studio near us that I go to. Yeah. If it's not available at the time I want to go, I don't go. There's one yoga studio and like, that's kind of it. I find it really nice to have exercise to be a contained thing and no longer something that takes like two hours yes. of yes. my day. And it, yeah. These things changes as your life changes and your situations change. I yeah. also just like pack a yoga mat whenever I travel now mm -hmm. And that just makes it like, what's your excuse really for right. not doing it? What are some of the parts of yourself that come alive through movement? Mm. Okay, so two things. There's something about finding the movement that requires just the right amount of focus that is mm. very head clearing for me. And I think that is what has gotten me into like ball wall over the last couple of yeah, years. Yeah, hitting a tennis ball against a wall by just yourself. hitting a tennis yeah. ball against a wall by myself. Yeah. And like sometimes it's just like batting it back, batting yeah. it back. And sometimes it's like making myself run and yeah. like really like whatever, throwing into it. I can think a little, but not that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is like a very Well, and you have to thing. think about what you're doing. Exactly. When I used to do bar method, that that was helpful. It, not quite what you're talking about, but it, that bar method requires so much focus. Yeah. Not more than I can manage because like I wouldn't be able to do a dance class. I'm not coordinated enough. But bar method was like just all of my focus within my ability range. And I couldn't think about anything else for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it was. The other thing I get a buzz from experience of true collective effervescence. Mm. Like not a yoga class of 10 people, but when I, every once in a while, like usually during the summer, go to a big group workout situation, mm -hmm. a big yoga class, it like, the like experience of like seeing all of these people yeah. of all different like abilities, types, mm -hmm. like whatever, whatever, doing this, it like kind of 
eases the loneliness of the rest of the, my workouts yeah, yeah, um, yeah. to just like feel part of something. So the two that, that I really love are Sky Ting does these classes at Elizabeth Street Garden, which is like a beautiful garden in Nolita that has like weird, like delightful sculptures yeah. in it and just big trees. And then the Brooklyn Museum does yoga on the stoop some Saturdays in the summer and fall. And it's right on sort of the path to the Grand Army Farmer's Market. So there's a lot of like kind of audience, but you know, you're there with like 200 people. So it's yeah. not like anybody's paying attention to you. It is just so delightful to just feel like part of something. And like as yeah. someone who doesn't run anymore and who is yeah, going to be in like big a marathon race. vibes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like I just, I think that that is like a thrill. Everything you're speaking to very much feels like what was so rewarding about the marathon for me. And and just like also just cheering on marathons. Yeah. But I don't do races very often. Like I, I've done them periodically since I've started running. But I think for me, like exercise is just a process of coming alive on a daily basis. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, I yeah. just, I wake up in a fog. I feel like I tend to, I am someone who, if, if I'm depressed, I'm depressed in the morning. That's how I know things yeah. are not going well. And there's something about like running and moving where it just, I feel like I slough it all off. And it truly physically feels like shaking out the cobwebs. It feels like every time my feet hit the pavement that like the anxiety, the brick of anxiety <gasps> in my chest, like cracks open a little bit. Crumbles, it really feels like crumbling. it crumbles. It feels like a video game. Wow. It feels like you're a like knocking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When do you feel the strongest? Mm. When I remember I can get better at things mm. um, because I do feel like, you know, I'm 40. I've, I'm like, I've plateaued. I've like any any athletic, like whatever I've peaked and that is it. And like, yeah. how could I possibly improve? Because here I am. And I think that there is like something really delightful about improving it and trying to prove, improve at things in middle age, like physically. And I took a ski lesson this winter for the first time since I was a child at Platykill, like, mm -hmm. which I think is the perfect little upstate New York mm -hmm. mountain. And I like took an hour long lesson and learned new things to try and do and like worked on them mm -hmm. when I was skiing and like improved at these things. And that felt like very satisfying and made me feel like strong, capable, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah the concept of strength has become more literal for me in the last, I, I guess I probably joined the gym about a year ago. Yeah. After doing hand weight workouts for a while during right. the pandemic at home and feeling like I wasn't necessarily doing them right. Like I was probably like maybe doing more harm than good in certain cases. And so I like the idea of joining a gym and doing the weight machines because I felt like that it was at least sort of helping me do the movement right. Yeah. And God, getting stronger. So powerful, so helpful. I like a just in my day to day walking around, feeling the difference, but also just going for a run and being like, oh, I'm holding myself a little more differently. Right. Yes, yeah. I I had forgotten because I had fallen off doing strength stuff for so long. It felt so good. That's been a thing for me. Lately. I should I should do strength stuff at the gym. I think you do though, but you do like I think Pilates is like oh, a for strength sure, thing, for sure. you know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it is I forget because I am such a cardio addict, and certainly like I don't think I get the same. I get mental you health benefits. You don't get the buzz. I don't get the buzz. I do think I get mental health benefits and like it just feels incredible leaving the gym after doing weight stuff. I tend to neglect it. And then when I do do it, I'm like really reminded of how good it is. Yeah. When have you been humbled by exercise? So this is a bit of like the opposite of the the skiing experience, but playing tennis. I kick myself for not playing from the ages of like 18 to 28 mm -hmm. all the time. I will never be as good as I once was. Mm -hmm. And I was not even that good. Um, <laughs> it is frustrating. Yeah. It yeah. is just like yeah. frustrating to be like, I've yeah. lost this thing and yeah. it's like gone. Yeah. And it's hard not to feel it as a loss. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? And to be like, oh, why do I not have that? And why am I comparing myself to right. truly when I was 18 years old? Yeah. I, as I just said, I am 40. It is not relevant. It is well, like a lifetime ago. And you know, my girl Tinks always says comparison is a thief of joy. And that includes comparing yourself to yourself. Well, whatever Tinks says, you know, <laughs> but and I also think the thing that I try to remind myself of and like push through when I think about this is that one of my very favorite tennis experiences is playing in Palm Springs at Ruth Hardy Park and watching all the septuagenarians and octogenarians mm -hmm. play. And let me tell you, they have been better in yeah, their life. Right. Like this, this is and not still their doing peak. It. And they're still doing it. And that is like the beauty of it is like sticking with these things and being like okay with the changing and like acknowledging that your abilities aren't going to be the same every day. Like- and, and every it's not year. about being good. It's exactly. about enjoying it. That is one thing that I think tying exercise to mental health has been really beneficial for me in a way where it has never been about losing weight. It has never been about being fast. It has never been about how far I can go. It is about this. It's again, the fear mongering of like, yeah. I, I do you it because I'm You will feel terrible be, if you do not do exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. And that is incredibly motivating, but it also helps me 
not think too much about the other aspects of is it working to help me maintain the body type I like? Is it yeah. am I getting better? Am I going faster? Truly the most humbled I've been by exercise is probably just continuing my running routine post baby because I can't think of anything more humbling than wearing pee underpants while you're running because you can no longer hold your pee in while you run. So I would say that that's that that's the pinnacle of of humility for me. Certainly, <laughs> certainly marathon training was humbling. I will say that like I was stunned by the power of exercise of just like anyone who's trained for a marathon, you're like, holy shit, I couldn't run three miles and now I can run 18. Like that's wild that yes. your body can do that and that being consistent and following this plan will do that for you. And also just like on a, if I can be really cheesy and earnest about this for a moment, I am humbled by how powerful exercise is, period. I just had no idea. I went through 24 years of life extremely not exercising. I was the most not exercising person there was. And this fall will be 15 years since I started. Wow. And I do it like practically daily, you know? And you do it daily. Yeah. And I just, I, I, this, I think probably sounds insane and hyperbolic, but I really actually think it's true. Like, I think I would probably not have most of the really good things I have in my life if not for this. Sarah's last question. Mm -hmm. Honestly, exercise always feels so lonely to me and it helps so much to know that I'm not alone in the pain and the joy. Say anything about it and I will listen on my next 10 runs. <laughs> Okay. You had a great, a great point here. So the thing I have to say is something that I really love about yoga with Adrienne, especially her like January 30 day programs mm -hmm. is that she often takes a moment to acknowledge how many people all around the world are taking this class. And there's something really nice about thinking about that idea of how many people are on a run or how many mm -hmm. people are shooting hoops or surfing or, mm -hmm. or like doing yoga or whatever, wherever you are. So that it's yeah. just like, you're not actually alone in this. Yes. Like you might be doing this solo, but they're like, there are people doing this all over. Yeah. God, what a beautiful thing. I love that. I just delightful. I really, yeah. We're, you're not alone. We're doing it with you. Anyway, that's, that's the, the show. show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.